You are listening to Spacetime Mind, a podcast by two philosophy professors, Richard Brown and Pete Mandick, who talk about philosophy, science, and all sorts of other stuff. Please be advised that this podcast contains strong language and abstract ideas not suitable for all intelligent life forms. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men! Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Space, time, mind, mind, space, time, mind, mind, space, time, mind, mind, space, time, space, time, mind, mind, space, time, should somehow, somehow do a Jedi mind meld. Welcome to episode eight of Space Time Mind. I'm Pete Mandick from William Patterson University. In today's episode, we continue a conversation that we started in episode four with Eric Schwitzgable, philosophy professor from University of California, Riverside. In this part of the conversation, Eric Schwitzgable joins me and Richard Brown in discussing the possibility of alien minds and machine minds. You know, we, we were earlier talking about common sense and also contiguity. And, uh, you know, Eric has got this stuff about USA perhaps being conscious, and there would be a, a whole lot of non-contiguity supporting a conscious state. And it might be a violation of common sense. Right. Yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. USA. So yeah. What is the deal with the USA? It's clearly not conscious, right? Why do you say that? Because How do you know? It's. Oh, I know. Uh, well, if, I mean, if 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 you ask me, I think it's pretty clear that um, uh, consciousness is re- is dependent on the brain in a fairly serious metaphysical way. So, what so do you no think robots. about hypothetical no type consciousnesses? No I robots. Think, I think exactly that. They're hypothetical. Um, artificial and, intelligence racist. Um, yeah, exactly. They're, they're slaves, and they ought to be slaves. <laughs> they're built. They're, they, in fact, the word robot means sl- slave or forced labor, I think. That's, everyone knows a little tidbit of uh, knowledge there. Um, but, you know, mankind has a long history of building machines to offload our menial tasks to. Uh, I don't feel bad for the dishwasher. I don't feel bad for Siri. Um, and I don't feel bad for uh, hypothetical machines which mimic human behavior. Now, on the other hand, look, so this is where the modality stuff is important. So you don't care about modality. Here's where it really matters. Uh, here's an area where it matters, though. I care because, about modality. Just can Yeah, I just no, don't take my question. modality away. <laughs> uh, well, you don't care about, you know, getting serious about it. But whatever. So, right. Um, right. Uh, I'm going to be sloppy. That's right. So, and that's why you end up saying weird things. Um, but, so think about your robots. Uh, is, is a ro- if a robot is possible, which has consciousness, like if we actually build one of those, then, you know, then I'm wrong. Uh, but that has not been established. So I think that, yes, we can imagine lots of stuff. It's not clear what the relationship between that and the actual world is. Especially so if the if you don't universe want to is vast, <laughs> maybe even infinite, then it seems highly plausible that there would be beings who engage in 
complex ways with their environments in ways that we would feel compelled to interpret as highly intelligent and linguistic. Right? That had, also they had a very different kind of underlying biology or structure than we do? Does that seem also, plausible to you? No. It seems no. It's, all, it's also highly plausible that the Earth is not in motion right now. So high plausibility levels do nothing no, for me. <laughs> you could do the, there's like the Nietzschean uh, eternal recurrence proof, right? So if uh, you've got a finite, you've got all these different finite arrangements of, of matter and space-time, and we could yeah. define as one one uh, possible way of uh, finitely arranging matter in space-time. It's right. uh, the the matter is uh, silicon atoms, but it's it's arranged in space-time in such a way that it would be at a at a at a, a relatively fine level of grain isomorphic to you know your 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 uh, you know some segment of your biography. You know you having yeah. the experience of talking to us right now. There's a robo we call it robo Richard. Um, <laughs> you, could, you could prove that that actually exists. It, exactly, but you can't prove that, that it has conscious manifold. experience. So what, what I'm claiming is that it's an open possibility that the brain, the biological, that there's something biological about the brain which is, that is uh, metaphysically tied to consciousness. And who knows what it is? We don't know. Maybe, and in fact, if some people are pessimistic that we could ever know, but uh, maybe you know it's like some property of potassium ions, which the brain uses. Who knows? I don't know, but um, maybe it's microtubules. Ooh, spooky. Uh, or maybe you know, maybe what matters is whether you're made out of matter versus antimatter, because you know, there's like an antimatter Richard that is behaviorally uh, and uh, you know biologically isomorphic to you, but it's made out of you know all of its atoms are made out of uh, antiprotons and positrons, where yours are made out of protons and electrons. If it makes a brain, then it, it, for me, it's it's got to be biology. If it makes biology, and if it makes a brain, um, and if that brain, uh, yeah, then it probably doesn't matter if it's uh, antimatter or matter, or uh, maybe it does. I mean, that's an open question. I, I mean, you know, I think as far as we, that antimatter is, you know, it has all the same causal properties for the most part. So yeah, it seems reasonable, but of course, there's a big mystery about that. But anyway, so I, for me, it's brains. It's got, it, it seems seems fairly obvious that no one wants to be serious about that and everyone most people what they do in fact is sort of just make fun of that view um, and uh, I don't know but that's not an argument so uh, here so there's you, you can imagine things happening yeah that's fine um, but I don't see why that's supposed to make me like you if you modal modal stuff doesn't make me draw any metaphysical conclusions it's not in my in my view it's not modal of course it's it high is. probable it's high probably actual uh, but I believe it's, that it's actual. Yeah. I personally believe that it's actual that the universe is large enough that there are intelligent beings who are constituted very differently than than. It. Now I don't believe this one with 100% credence, but that is my opinion. It's, so, it's possible that there are systems organized in such a way actual. that they interact. Uh, it's it, that they I'm interact intelligently with their environment. And what's not at all even close to being plausible. Is that those creatures are conscious systems, which um, are not biological. So, so, so if there, so there are, are like at least three things that need to be pulled apart there, right? One is consciousness, right. one is biology, and yeah. one is the patterns of behavior. Exactly. So I'm just trying to see if you agree with the claim about the actuality of the patterns of behavior. I believe it's plausible. Okay. So then uh, the next step is biology. 
Yeah. Right. So, if you think of of a being that would be, we might want to call it biological, might be constituted still very differently from us, right? If there are biological beings who operated by hydraulics, if the universe is large enough, there probably are such beings. Yes. No. Right. Then that counts as biology. So then they could be conscious. Uh, if they have, if if like the Lucy and Martians assume they're naturally evolved. If they're, they're if there are no brains, then no. I mean, it's something about the brain. Like now, if they, potassium ions, as you it's, were saying. It's it's potassium ions. It's who knows what it is. It could be like the could be the chlorine ions floating so around there. So it's about it it's about having about, our specific biology. It's not about being a biological evolved being in general. Well, you could have an you could let's let's pretend for a second and go with a. Absurd idea that it's potassium. I don't really believe that. But let's just say that it is. Well, okay. then if you have a, a weird system that somehow uses potassium ions in its uh, structure to generate behavior, then yeah, you know that that seems okay um, uh, to me. So in the hydraulic, in the bio, biological hydraulic system, uh, if it's you know doing something with potassium ions and roughly what it's doing um, is biologically the same as what we do with it, then that seems to me all right. Um, uh, so I'm willing to be a bit flexible on like what counts as the biology. I mean, of course, science would have to tell us that. It might be some molecular thing. It could be some chemical thing. It might be an electrical thing. The brain is complicated, like obviously. So, and there are these many facets to it: Molec the molecular facets, the genomic facet. Um, there's also the material facet. So whether it's antimatter versus matter. So I don't know. We don't know exactly which element of the physical structure is important. But my money's on the biology of the structure. So it seems like that—that's a natural candidate. So is your—are you going to be committed to the probable actuality of basically zombie-like beings, beings who are behaviorally very sophisticated, <coughs> and who would be very—we would be very inclined to interpret as saying things like, "We've got conscious experience." Here's yeah. our philosophy of mind, and yet, b because they don't have the right biological structures, would not actually have phenomenology. Is that something, Absolutely. on your view, that's probable? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, like not right just now, not just possible, but probable. So right. No, it's actual. Right now. Actual. It's yeah, happening. probably actual. Right that's now, what I mean. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not probably actual. It's actually actual. Right now, it's happening. Um, so you know, people okay. talk about their Roomba vacuum cleaners, um, <laughs> and they want to assign. Intentional states to it. That's you know, and maybe it does because they're derivative from us and programming it into it. But there's nothing like consciousness going on there because there's no biology going on there. So people like Dretsky and these other you know people who claim that simple systems like that with intentional states therefore have consciousness. That's crazy talk to me. Um, so I think that's already happening where we have these simple uh -huh. systems that emulate behavior, which people talk about as though they have consciousness, but which they, on my view, definitely do not. So, and that would, but it's not just about, it's not about their simplicity, right? So you might say, so I would be inclined. No, they don't have neurons. So I would be inclined to say the reason that I'm disinclined to think of them as conscious, although I don't rule it out because I don't rule out panpsychism, right? But I'm disinclined still to think that they're conscious because of their simplicity, because of the simplicity. But you... But you think even a, com a very complex version of these things... Even Commander that Dave. acts outside behaviorally, behaviorally indistinguishably from us, like if we can go hypothetical, data from Star Trek. Yes. Um, what I think is, is that... It's not conscious. And I wonder what your grounds are for saying that. What, what I think is that here's the case. 
possibly this is the case. That's that's my case. I don't think it's really true. I, I mean, it might uh -huh. be true, but it, well, all I think is that it's possible. Um, it's possible that there's a there's a metaphysical tie between consciousness and and biology. So that so that's the first plank of my defense is that it's not contradictory. Um, I agree with and, that. Okay, so that's already a big plus. That's plus. That's a plus in my favor. Yeah. Uh, so then, if it's possible, we have to wonder about you know whether it's likely or actual or what you know all that kind of stuff. Um, so then, then you go okay. Well, you know, common sense <laughs> tells us that duh, it's got to be the brain. So okay. So but what do you, you mean? Think by common sense tells us that right? Because my I don't think common sense is coherent. Actually, I think it tells I know, us you, contradictory I know, things, right. right? But one of the th so probably we can work ourselves into a contradiction with common sense, but. It seems to me like science fiction is really exciting partly because it's part of common sense to uh, interpret it, interpret beings who are behaviorally sophisticated and linguistically interpretable exactly. as conscious. Right? That's so right, but you're you might disagree with that aspect of common sense, but it seems to me commonsensical to say, yeah, of course data is conscious, of course the Martians yeah. are conscious. And of course, in the, but see, here's where the modality stuff matters again. Of course, in the world where data exists, data is conscious. But that's not our world. <laughs> and well, that's, I, I think that's our not world even is a, a candidate for being our world. That's I think our actual so, world is one in which beings who are relevantly similar to data actually do exist. That's a different claim. No, they're not in that's contact. That's a different claim. That's different. What I said was, in the world where there's a data, as you described, that data is conscious. In our world, there's a simulacrum of something like that, which is not conscious, but is behaviorally indistinguishable. That is what I'm claiming is common sense. Go and talk to normal people. I do this all the time. Wait, wait, they wait, wait. are 100% sure that that's a science fiction scenario, and by which they mean something akin to a possibility uh, which isn't really relevant to the way the real world is. Now, they don't say it in that way, but that's what I... I think that's a commitment of their view is that yes, that's what science fiction is. It's like fanciful. It's not like actual. So yes, if there were an actual robot, we would say, yeah, right. But in that world, under those conditions where we suspend disbelief and so forth, we pretend or play along that the thing is as described. That's a so very I guess I would I would be inclined to make an inference about common sense from the hypothetical to the actual. But maybe this inference breaks down, right? But the inference is the fact that we're comfortable ascribing consciousness to, to science, such science fictional beings uh, it means that it's part of the commitment of, but it's part one of the commitments of common sense that beings very differently constructed from us who exist in other parts of the universe, if they're sophisticated enough, and some are, are in fact conscious. Yeah, see, I would say what follows from that is that they're committed to the claim that the claim that possibly this is the case, and that's uh -huh. that's a modal claim. So yeah. th that this is a po and of course, yeah, you know yeah. what you know what else is possible X Y Z, but that can't be our world. Right. Our world is the water, uh, the H two O world. So who gives a yeah. shit about X Y Z worlds? They're not accessible from our world. So maybe the data world is like that. The data world is out there. You can think about it, uh, but we yeah. can't get to it. So that's what I okay. think science fiction gives us. And the ability to see the stuff that's out there that's not a candidate for the way our world actually is, but is a good candidate for like different worlds. Okay. <laughs> if we were at that world, we'd be saying, yes, data, you're conscious. Right. But guess okay, what? So, that maybe, so maybe that's the case. So 
uh, let's leave the claim about common sense aside. You've still made a you regardless of the common sensicality of it, right? You've made a philosophical claim that the actual world probably contains highly behaviorally sophisticated beings, as behaviorally sophisticated as us, who lack phenomenally conscious experience. And I'm just wondering how you know that they do. Well, knowing, I mean, who cares about knowing? Uh, you ask me what I believe. <laughs> yeah, or what are your grounds for believing that they would lack it, or they do lack it, I should say. Um, well, uh, the first is that probably, I mean, probably something super strange is true about consciousness. So I would agree is, with that. So I know you would. So uh, this is <laughs> yeah. where this is where I think that's a, your crazyism stuff is important. I think that if you don't already believe that something hyper strange is true about consciousness, then you haven't been thinking hard about it. Um, because after the end of all of this, you're left with a set of very basic, simple options. You have panpsychism. You have dualism. You have some kind of identity theory. You have functionalism. That's basically everything is a common. Maybe hylomorphism is different. I don't know. Okay, we could, we could <laughs> split hairs, and you yeah. know, I have a, I have a colleague who uh, studied at Fordham, so he's like super uh, pro hylomorphism. And you know, Emmanuel Nardi uh, is his name, by the way. And I like that stuff. You know, I, I like Aristotle yeah. enough to care to think that maybe that's interesting. Um, but I don't really understand it fully, to be honest with you. It's uh, just functionalism. It's it just, might be. It might be, or it might be a hardcore kind of structuralism. Anyway, whatever. So it's um, which it's, is it's more functionalism. <laughs> okay. So whatever. Anyway, yeah, no, I totally agree. You got so a you, bunch of bizarre possibilities. That's right. So now what so what are the what is the least bizarre out of those possibilities? Well the least bizarre no, the least bizarre <laughs> is that the brain is what's important for consciousness. That's it's biology. We are biological organisms. Biology is doing all the explaining of our behavior, and you could pretend about, you know, that functionalism information processing theory is doing anything interesting. Um, and maybe in some sense it is, but not really. <laughs> uh, all of the explanations come from like understanding the mechanisms that neurons are actually employing. When you understand that, uh, then you're starting to make some progress on like what we do, what human beings do. And you could describe that at various levels, but you know, yeah. there's a quote from John Searle here, which I really like. And he says something to this effect. Um, Computation plays the exact same role in neuroscience that it plays in every other science, which is that it's useful for modeling the target that we're interested in. Nothing more, nothing less. And I think that's an interesting idea. I think that not that I know that it's true, but rather that something seems right about it and that there are no good arguments against it and that also something strange has to be true of consciousness. So. If I'm going to put my money on something strange, I'm going to put my money on the brain. I'm going to put it on biology. I'm going to put so it I on. So I just the... want to clarify one thing about your claim, right? So it's hard to deny that the brain is really important for human consciousness, right? But your claim is much stronger than that. That the brain is really important for consciousness of any being in the universe. I'm saying right? it's hard so to deny just, that biology I, that is, is I think that is a somewhat strange claim. It might be true, but I just want to be clear that it's not. By blurring those two things together, or a hearer might blur those things together, right? It makes it seem more kind of undeniable than I think it actually is.
Well, what, what I was saying was that it seems undeniable that biology of some kind is important for consciousness. And for us, yes, that's the brain. <laughs> and um, also, by the way, guess what? Every other thing on this planet <laughs> that seems to be sophisticated enough to do anything interesting has a brain. Gee, what the fuck about that? That's interesting. Okay. So I think that's interesting. Now, you're right. That, that's not a universal rule. I just say that's interesting that… Well, it could have, we could have opened up a cat and found something else. Guess what? We found a brain. All right. We could have opened up a bird and found something else. Oh, brain. Okay. Could have opened up an octopus and found something else. Guess what? Brain. So that's not nothing. That's something. <laughs> and we never have opened up one of those things and found a mousetrap or found some other click-clack thing going clickety-clack. What we found is a bunch of brains. So, uh, you know, in the same respect that what we found um, here is – conditions that support life which have water um, and therefore when we search for life on other planets we look for water now maybe we're missing a bunch of plant planets doing that uh, and maybe we'll find there are non-water based life forms out there but here everything seems to involve water so that's a good place to start unless you're pushed off the top of the hill so water so is essential for consciousness uh, water if water is essential for brains then yes absolutely I, I want to say something about biology. Uh, this is please, yeah, please do. I'm, I'm going to insert it in a clumsy sort of way. There's a couple a couple things that bother me about uh, the appeals to biology that you're, you've been making. What, one sort of thing that bothers me about it is that um, when you think about uh, other sorts of questions in this neighborhood, like how to define life, like you know how to decide whether viruses count as alive. Um, or, you know, if you look at, at various attempts that people have made to try to, to come up with a theory of the origin of life, yeah. you know, they run into, like, you know, uh, is, the, does life ha have to involve self-reproduction or not? Does, uh, can you give a metabolic, like, what are the me metabolic criteria on life? It's really, it, it's, it's pretty easy to define self-reproduction compared to defining what counts as a metabolism. Does a hurricane have a metabolism? I mean, it's really, it's really, these are very hard and diff uh, difficult issues, especially if you're thinking about things like um, artificial life, you take seriously the possibility that maybe there could be um, uh, uh, reproduction uh, and, and ev mutation and evolution in a, um, in a software environment or with a group of uh, initially, you know, artificial beings. Yeah, that might not be life, though. That's one thing that bothers me. Well, botany is interesting, too. I mean, when we think of life, we tend to think of either unicellular organisms or animals. Yeah. Right? But with, in botany, you know, the lines between group and, indi and individual are blurry, and what exactly counts as part of the organism versus part of the environment is much blurrier than in single-celled and in animal cases. Yeah, so like one thing that's bothered me about uh, this talk about biology is how difficult it is to, to define what counts as life. And on the other hand, that bothers me about it is that our brains are at a very low level. Uh, they've got a lot of dedicated, hardwired stuff for detecting life. You know, we, there's certain things that humans are like, it's really important for us to, de to detect. It's really important for us to detect faces. I, I, I don't have like a dedicated shirt detector. I had to like figure that out, and, and I, I, I approached that largely intellectually, whether something counts as a shirt or not. Uh, but you know, I got, really I, got, I can tell by direct observation. Built-in, we have built-in face detectors, and uh, you know, arguably.
they're also uh, hardwired for detecting minds, at least minds like us. And, and I think a similar sort of thing goes for whether something is alive. Right. And, I, and our, our criteria that we apply on an a intellectual level, when we try to think about like, well, uh, in, a cog in an intellectual or cognitive sort of way, what counts as alive might be very different from the, the thing that gives us that gut feeling, yeah. um, this like hardwired uh, thing. And you know, wherever that hardwired thing comes from, it has to be uh, something very parochial. You know, like our if there are Martians or or Beetlejuiceans or whatever, they would be evolved under very different circumstances than we would. And um, I don't know how to put this. I guess I you know I don't trust this thing that of course would be very par parochial and and provincial in in a, in a cosmic scale. But it, 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 on, the, on the same, uh, uh, at the same time, it has such a strong pull over our intuitions. This like hardwired stuff, like it's so core. It you know, a part of the the way we stay alive is we you know don't eat gross things that have been dead for too long or whatever. And it's really important for us at a, at a very fundamental level to to detect in this kind of like fast, automatic, uh, hardwired way whether it's alive or not. But at the same time. Um, I don't think we should trust that this thing that right. nonetheless that exerts this super strong pull on our intuition. So there's two things that are just really bothering me about biology. One is like it's a disaster trying to define it. Uh, and the second is that you know we have all these semi-rational or irrational, hardwired, strongly felt uh, influences because right. of our life detectors. Can I, can I respond to that? Yeah. So I agree, but so what? So, uh, <laughs> that's your excellent response. Let me, let me respond. <laughs> no, but just to, to expand on this, uh, this, the second part at least. Um, um, I agree, there's a deep seated prejudice that we have um, uh, against non biological organisms, right? So, this is. This is part of the motivation that Turing has for designing his Turing test. Uh, the, 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 the imitation man game or whatever, as I was um, reading the paper the other day. But uh, part of the reason for designing the test in that way is to sort of circumnavigate this prejudice. Um, and so that if you, if you can't tell whether the thing looks like you then, and you're just talking to it, then you're going to attribute to it these various states. And if you, if you do that successfully, then that's good enough reason to think that it's, it's understanding, right? That's, that's part of the, I I, at least in my mind, that's always what I thought was the main goal of formulating the Turing test in that sort of done through correspondence way, which so that you couldn't see the organizational structure of the thing you're talking to, whether it was a person uh, had a body, was biological or not. Um, so that that seems right, right? Uh, that that's a way yeah. to circumnavigate that. But then, of course, you know, I don't know want to dredge up this old uh, cottage industry, but you know, I think that the kinds of um, uh, uh, Sanskrit room—I'm not going to call it a Chinese room. Uh, the, the, the Sanskrit room uh, kinds of considerations uh, are not not decisive, but like fairly close to decisive um, against this kind of view, or at least puts not decided puts puts the burden like here's a high 500 pound weight, like here you go, um, shifts the burden, I guess I would say. So that you know the the prejudice thing, you're right, I'm suspicious of it. But at the same time, it's not contradictory. So that's what I really care about is that's not contradictory. Uh, there's no formal contradiction entailed. So that means there's a place out there where it is true. 
uh, the only question is for me is like, can we get to that place from here? Um, it, and even more importantly, like, is it this place? So, you know, but, but mostly is like, is there a view that's defendable? Yes, there is. So what are the reasons against it? Well, fictional hypotheticals, that's the reason against it. Um, uh, also this, oh, you're a chauvinist, uh, or, or I think as the way Eric, Eric put it, you know, you're a not, well, I forget how you put it in your paper. I, and I, I said I was going to publish it here, but, uh, you said, uh, <laughs> hopefully you not change your mind right. after our conversation. I like the challenge. I like the challenge. But you say something like un-Galilean something. What, how do you say that? Yeah. The un-Copernican yeah. prejudice or pride or there's some like nefarious term that people like me have. Um, and, and I say, yeah, you know what, yeah. but if I'm going to violate common sense somewhere, I'm going to violate it here. Uh, rather than towards U.S. equals consciousness. So if the choice is like, yeah, if, if you're someone like me who thinks common sense is probably out already because I read Einstein when I was young, so already it's out, so okay. So um, if you're already sort of unmoored from common sense and you're looking at the views and your options are, yeah, the U.S. is conscious or it's the brain, and the only objection to the one that seems normal is, oh, gee, then, you know, what about space octopi? <laughs> uh, then I go, oh yeah, I don't know. If I meet one, I'll reassess, and maybe then I'll find out that the data world is really closer to our world than I thought. But until then, space octopi are interesting stories that we can talk about, but do nothing to make me think that it's uh, strange that consciousness would be special in this way. Wait, so John Searle gets to go in the Sanskrit room, and you're on board with that, but I, uh, Eric and I fly off to Octopi Planet? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I think that uh, the the basic intuition behind the 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 room is that syntax is not semantics, and that derived intentionality is not intentionality, and that there's no good response to that except um, one response, which is the virtual mind response, which is kind of, you know, bizarre, uh, but that would be the idea that the room actually generates a virtual mind, a non-physical thing, which does understand the language. And I go, okay, so yeah, that's possible. I see that world over there. Uh, but it certainly doesn't look friendly to, like, me, and I don't want non-physical virtual minds hanging around. So um, uh, the, the, the idea that the system understands it seems ludicrous. Uh, isn't the brain just a bunch of syntax, Richard? No, it's a bunch of syntax instantiated in some meat, and the meat might be important. The meat is just syntax. You take a bunch of electrons, protons, and neutrons, and you impose one syntax, and you wind up with meat. And a different kind of syntax, you've got a pile of sand. Well, then you're using syntax in a way that just means biology or not or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if it's if it's a brain, it's a brain. And the bi brain is biological. You're not going to convince me that the brain is not biological. <laughs> uh, whatever it's ultimately made out of is a question for physics. But what we do know is that the brain is a biological organ. It's like the heart in that sense. It's like the kidney in that sense. It's like the liver in that sense. We've identified a lot of their properties. And yes, they have functional properties, but they're also biological. And if you simulate a liver, you're not getting a real liver. Um, and you can mimic all of its processes, but the, it's not doing liver things. It's mimicking liver behavior, but it's not livering. <laughs> um, and the brain might be like that. And but it, so an artificial heart doesn't pump blood? Of course it does, but... That um, doesn't count as pumping unless it's a biological heart? 
It certainly counts as pumping. Well, why why not a uh, similar thing with an artificial brain? It might be that way. I've already thinking. said it might be that okay. way. What, I, what I've said is that I don't see any good reason to think it's that way. And the heart thing, you know, that's interesting, but, uh, you know, pumping doesn't seem like thinking to me in the relevant way um, uh, because pumping doesn't involve intentionality, subjectivity, consciousness, or any of the other things that I hold dear and near to uh, what I think is me. <laughs> so right pumping is interesting, but this other stuff is not like pumping in that sense. So it doesn't seem like duplicating what it does gives you the same thing. It just seems different. So maybe that's wrong, but it doesn't seem like, you know, there's any good reason to think it's wrong. Not yet anyway. And, you know, not especially not if you don't take like kind of like science fiction stuff as very seriously. And, you know, um, maybe when we uh, when we build the computer that can do the amount of petaflops that are sort of in the neighborhood of what the brain does and we emulate a virtual brain and we turn it on and say, hey, Wolfram Alpha or whatever your name is, uh, how's it going? Um, maybe we can talk then, but, you know, I'm sort of on the side of people like Ned Block and, you know, uh, Ned Block says, look, intelligence is cool, but maybe it's just a bag of tricks that won't explode and that you'll never be able to build an artificial version of because the way it's cobbled together in the physical system, it depends on, like, you know, evolution slapping it together in some weird way that depends on something interestingly physical about it. And so duplicating that doesn't give you the same thing. And so you're not going to get a kind of artificial intelligence. That's one way of blocking that argument. But Richard, didn't, didn't we know of each other that we were intelligent before we discovered that we had brains? And further, didn't we decide that it was brains that mattered and not our livers based on functional criteria? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's exactly the same way that we knew about Kripke by looking at him and pointing at him. But then once you have that, I think, fixed by your uh, descriptions or whatever, you can then, now you're, you throw them away. You don't need them. You have the thing. It's not attached to the description in the right way. So if someone like me would say, yes, all that stuff is a very good way of singling out the thing that you want. And if you see rustling in the bush over there, that's probably a good indication there's a bird there, but you don't think that <laughs> the rustling is only interesting because it's an indication of the thing. So you don't say, the rustling is what I care about. It's the, it's the rustling is a symptom or an indication of the thing that's in the bush. But but suppose that you know we when we uh, we point at Kripke, he's got long toenails, and then and then afterwards we uh, clip his toenails, and we 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 keep trying to talk about him. But do we fail because we lost the toenails? No. Well, well, why not similarly say like so? We point at these things that happen to have brains, and instead of clipping their toenails, we replace the neurons with microchips. Right. Is it, now is it more now like see, toenails? Well, see, that's the that's the question. Is it more? So I claim it isn't like toenails. I claim that at that point, you've now. Uh, well, see, look, here's the here's a I think a kind of common uh, error in this kind of um, neuron swapping experiment. So you know, and this is the kind of thing that Dave has said to, in public and in personal to me. So Chalmers. he says, look, you know, yeah, Chalmers. Um, he says, look, you know, the most convincing argument to me about this stuff is that we're going to have partial uploads. Um, people who are like what you described, they have like one or six neurons replaced, but not like a lot, you know. And we're already sort of heading in that direction because I was reading about this guy the other day who had a cochlear implant or transplant or something like that, an artificial cochlear thing um, in the ear. And so, you know, we're getting to the point where mind-brain interfaces are interesting, and it looks like we, um, we're designing already systems like, you know, about the mouse-brain robot. And so we're already designing cool ways of hooking up um, uh, 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 electronic circuits to interface with the brain. 
And so Dave says, okay, so if your grandma has three or four of her auditory neurons replaced and then she comes home from the doctor and says, oh, it's so great to hear your voice, Pete. <laughs> I haven't heard, my hearing was gone and now it's back. And so Chalmers says, well, you know, okay, so that's good evidence that consciousness persists even through this transition. And I say, or that's like putting on a pair of glasses. I mean, that's, I, it, it could be doing something, but there's still a crap ton of brain around. And it could simply be now you have a new interface with the, bio, with the meat, with the biology. And yeah. it's still the biology that's doing all of the consciousness producing stuff because plasticity is like obvious in the brain. So simply replacing a couple neurons doesn't show that you've done anything at all that uh, makes it implausible that you know consciousness is dependent on this uh, functioning of these neural circuits as opposed to the actual meat that's there. So then you go, okay, replace a few more, replace a few more. Um, and eventually I claim that when you get a replaced enough and who knows when, but eventually consciousness go is gone uh, because you don't have any meat left to be doing what's interesting. And you may be behaving exactly the same. But according to me, what's plausible in that case is zero consciousness. We're up on the, on the time where we need to take a break. We will be right back. They're made out of meat. Meat? There's no doubt about it. We picked up several from different parts of the planet, took them aboard our recon vessels and probed them all the way through. They are completely meat. It's impossible. What about the radio signals? They use radio signals to talk. But the signals don't come from them. The signals come from machines. Well, who made the machines? That's who we need to contact. Meat made the machines. It's ridiculous. Meat can't make machines. These creatures are the only sentient race in this sector, and they are made out of meat. Maybe they're like the Orphali, a carbon-based intelligence that goes through a meat stage. They are born meat, and they die meat. We studied them for several of their lifespans. Spare me. But maybe they're like the Wedeli, only part meat. We thought of that, since they do have meat heads like the Wedeli. But as I told you, we probed them. No brain, eh? Oh, there's a brain, all right. It's just that the brain is made out of meat. What does the thinking, then? The brain does the thinking. The meat. So I know I'm conscious. You are a lot like me. I assume you've got a brain, you've got very similar behavior, you've got eyes, which is really important to attributing minds. Right? So so that seems like a safe inference. You're conscious, right? We start thinking about octopuses, snails. It's like, uh, I'm not sure how far to extend, right? Right, right. We extend in a different direction. I start thinking about Robots, Martians, I'm not sure how to extend. Why not? Right, we, I don't think we know what it is so in virtue of which I'm conscious and you're conscious. Right, They've got some things that we have, like you know, the aliens have the functional role, right, but not the biology. 
you know, snails have brains, right, but not a whole lot of functional role, and their brains are really small and very different from ours, and who knows exactly what it takes? So why not be skeptics? But I think, which is my view, right, we don't know what it takes. We don't know, how, I mean, it's pretty safe going with humans, right, but whether when we go to groups, when we go to aliens, when we go to snails, who knows? But I do, but I am inclined to think that given the who knows situation, there's something to be said for defaulting in favor of something like highly sophisticated functional role, right? Just on the basis of our, well, I think there are a couple reasons. One is I do think that it's common sense, so I guess maybe I shouldn't have yielded on that point earlier, <laughs> right? Um, and there's nothing that defeats that at this point, right? So peeling back to some of the things Pete was saying earlier about common sense has got to fail somewhere, right? But at the same time, uh, you don't want to let go of it too fast, right? And the other reason, I think, being kind of pragmatic or even moral considerations, right? So when the aliens arrive, right, we don't want to be neuro-chauvinists saying, you know, enslaving them. When, or think about the, uh, you know, I'm, probably the famous Star Trek episode where Data is being evaluated for consciousness. And what ends up being the decisive consideration at that end of that episode, right? So the robot Data and Star Trek, right, they're trying to figure out whether to disassemble him, and one of the questions is, is he conscious? What ends up being decisive? Well, he has a conversation with uh, Gwynon, the Whoopi Goldberg character. I, I, I'm not sure if I got her name right. Who says, well, look, you I know. Hope, I hope for your sake you did not. I really, <laughs> really hope you did not. I show this episode in my philosophy of mind class. Okay, okay. Right? And um, she, uh, she says, well, look, you know, yeah, it's really convenient to have robots and say they're not conscious because, you know, then you can treat them as slaves. And, you know, that's how uh, races and species have treated each other, you know, throughout the course of history. Right, so then what they decide at the end of the episode, or what the judge decides, is she doesn't know really whether Data is conscious. But if you're going to decide, right, you want to err on the side of being over liberal to the to the being, so that you're not making the huge moral mistake right. of saying this is not a conscious being, therefore we can disassemble it, therefore we can enslave it. Right. Right. So I, mean, I would, but look, but so even I would if you start get... from a skeptical point of view, right, yes, and, and use both so... common sense and a kind of pragmatic moral argument. To argue okay. against uh, kind of neuroshaman point of view. So, so by, uh, you're a vegetarian? No. Oh well, then who cares about your moral story? <laughs> because <laughs> we, we we already uh, treat animals that we know have consciousness this way. So I don't really think that convincing people that these aliens have consciousness is gonna make them give a shit about them. To be honest with you, because if they did, they'd give a shit about chickens, and people don't. Um, less than four percent of the United States population is vegetarian. So in my opinion, that means that 90, 96% of uh, Americans aren't moved by that consideration. That's what that, that's data. That's what that means. So that gives me, hold on, I'll put an asterisk on it, keep going. Okay, so, and then though, um, the second thing is, well, first of all, we haven't been confronted with this situation. So uh, if we had a system as sophisticated as data, who was making this claim, don't enslave me, then I think that I would reevaluate my priors <laughs> and come to a different set of conclusions. But that I'm not going to adjust my priors based on some science fiction shit. I'm not going to. Unless it's it hasn't. And, um, 
Uh, no, that's no, that's not the case. Uh, that uh, because that science fiction shit is making um, a clear a basic intuition, which uh, deals with stuff that's actual. Whereas this stuff doesn't. It deals with things which are merely possible. Um, so we have systems like I this already that Searle, Searle is talking about. We don't have systems like you guys are talking about. That's the difference. I think they are so actual. Different. We're just not in contact with them. Well, okay, so that's bullshit. But um, if, if that's the <laughs> Wait, case... I thought you then, agreed with that. No. I, okay, I got so, you to agree with that earlier. No, 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 no. What you got me to agree with was that if it's not contradictory, then given the multiverse stuff, there's a way there's somewhere it's that way out there. If it is contradictory, look, I don't think the multiverse hypothesis entails that there's a square fucking circle out there. I don't think that, okay? The multiverse is great. There's still no square circles anywhere. Um, okay, no, so, I would agree with that. All right, so if data being conscious is like a square circle, which is what I no, think... No, 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 what, what you agree to is a data a being who behaves like data. Right. Right, right. And so the, and the I think that... Is, and, given that that's actual... Right. I think that right. might be. How do we say it's conscious? So you can't uh, say, "Oh, it's not actual." Therefore, we don't need to think about it. It's just not actually been confronted with it. I think that might be the square circle. We have not. We don't have any good evidence that that's going to happen. That you're going to be confronted with it. That's right. Wait, so I just want to be. I just want to be clear about what you're denying, because because I've now I've lost it. Right. So, what is the square circle? A so, being that's behaviorally like data, constituted like data and also conscious, or a being who is constituted like data and behaviorally like data and bracket the question of whether it's conscious? To quote a great man, yes. <laughs> because all I want is the latter, right? And then if you think both the latter, then we've got the arguments toward the former. I think both. Right? It, I don't think there's any good reason to right. think that. Right, so I that thought the latter you had previously acknowledged. Yeah. No, I okay. said that. I said it's possible. I said it's possible. I don't. I think thought you. Need... I thought we'd agreed that. I thought you would agree that it was probably actual. Um. No, I didn't. Well, probably. At least actual. for a biological, I think. Probably. Well, so but see, you did. You're not talking about something that's biological. Data right, is not so... biological, so that's what I'm. I'm digging. So maybe that's the here. issue. But then, okay. So we, we can do a similar kind of argument against neurochauvinism that doesn't require that the being be a computer built out of silicon. Right? It could be a biological being, evolved naturally, that's right. made out of carbon but very different from us. Right. That's fine. Well, if it has something that's special to brains and is doing it, look, uh, the, you know, what we don't have evidence, and what might be a square circle, is a system that behaves indistinguishably from you, but that isn't biological. We don't have any good reason to think that that's not a square circle. In fact, we have lots of good reason to think it is. Uh, you know, who's the famous AI, there's a programmer who says a year in AI is almost enough to make you believe in God? Um, so, now, you know, that, that might not be anything, but it's been incredibly hard to get the right program. And, of course, we, there are other ways naturally evolved. I heard you say that, so... That's one way of, of, of approaching these issues is getting naturally evolved artificial agents. I, I get that. But we don't know if that's going to work. In fact... I want to pull so apart... The, can we pull apart the... I mean, I th I'm not as... I'm, I think I disagree with you about the computer version too, but I don't think that we need that for the argument. Right? So can we just think about naturally evolved systems that I would call biological, but who operate by very different principles? Right. right? So Are Lewis's hydraulic Martians, maybe. 
Yeah. Right? If they don't so, have brains, they're out. Right. So you're committed to their being out. So that's so that's not about biology in general. It's about uh, one specific biology. Right. So uh, you're it, saying. Well, what I'm leaving open. Are you saying that the square circle is? Yeah. Some any biology other than kind of ours. Possibly yes. That has behavior that is highly sophisticated. Possibly yes. We don't have any good that reason. That seems to like otherwise. a really strong kind of claim to me. Yeah, exactly. Something and crazy. Highly, do highly something dubious. Crazy. Something, something crazy has to be true. Don't smack me with dubiosity. <laughs> no, dubious because of the. I mean, <laughs> something crazy has to be about, true. Why not this? Think about. Think about. So now we're on computation. Maybe I can't let go of computation, right? But thinking about the variety of systems that yeah. can implement a Turing machine. Right. Right, I mean, huge variety. I think this is more or less mathematically proven of hypothetical types of systems that could implement a Turing machine. So you can get exactly. highly sophisticated more... responsiveness right. on systems that are physically implemented in radically different ways. And if that is in fact the case, yeah. and the universe is large, then it seems very probable that you could have highly sophisticated responsiveness in a naturally evolved biological system that was constructed very differently from us. This isn't right. about common sense, this is about computation, computation yeah. and the kinds of structures that allow for sophisticated responsiveness. That's right. Um, and so I, I, I've, so you, we're running things together here. So on the one hand there's a, qu a question about whether a, so you, you brought up data. Uh, I did not bring up data. So well, Commander, that was because I like the slave argument. But yeah, but that's, it, but that's can, what I'm can, responding to. I'm responding oh, to the slave oh, argument. We can do the slave argument for biological systems. Which well, but no, that's the purpose. red herring here. So I want to okay. respond to the slave argument for data. Because my okay. point was, if there were a system like that who came to me and said I have moral standing, I would rethink my view. My claim yeah. is that that's probably impossible. Um, in a real strong sense, that's probably impossible to build a system like data. Probably my money, and you know, 15 years from now, I could be eating my words, you know, uh, and I will do that in public. I don't care, but this is where <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm betting that yeah. we're going to hit a block. I'm betting we're going to hit a block, and we're going to discover uh, at some point that quantum interference becomes too weird, and we can't build microprocessors any smaller, and so Moore's Law, whatever, breaks down. I, that's a possibility, and of course, there's options, spintronics, oh, whatever. So, but yeah. that's one possibility is that we just can't go down any further. We don't get the level of, uh, of computational complexity to build it. That might just be a law uh, that it happens because you can't go below the quantum level and do it right. Maybe not, but maybe. Um, okay. But also, it might just be that you know you uh, uh, you can't evolve it in a way that's um, outside of meat. Well, we don't have a. I mean, the last I heard is that they had an AI agent who sort of passed the false belief test, and so you know, but that's all. <laughs> That's all connectionist magic because they, they hand input all of the settings at the beginning uh, and then tune them very carefully along the way. And, you know, maybe that's sort of uh, not as shady as some people think, but I think it's pretty shady. Um, so, so we have all this stuff, and that's great, but I don't see how any of this is getting at the claim that non-biological systems are going to show up tomorrow. So I, I'm betting that there's going to be a block. We're not going to get it. So that's the data issue. If data comes to me and says I deserve freedom and he passes the Turing test and everything else, then yes, I will say you're a person. Welcome to the circle of life. Kantian deontology applies to you. Boom. But 
I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. Um, uh, uh, on the other hand, is the biological case. The, Wait, so that sounds to me. Okay. All right. Okay. No, never mind. Go ahead. Go to the biological case. Well, you could. Well, what were you going to say? Well, I mean. Uh, no, uh, well, what I would just say would be contingent upon, I was going to basically ask you about how you would extend out the biological case, so go ahead. So, what, now the, bio, the bio, biological case is a bit more complicated, because yeah. ultimately, you know, have a, uh, a, um, a gap in any kind of understanding of the brain. Um, for instance, right now, we seem to be thinking that neurons are important, but I wouldn't be mystified if a thousand years from now, people looked back on this as though... The way we look back on the people who talked about animal spirits and the heart pump. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it's quantum effects in glial cells or some fucking thing that we haven't even seen in the brain yet because we haven't invented the right technology to measure it. So, yeah. you know, like the way we didn't know electricity was going on in there before someone said, hey, electrode, oh, it's buzzing by the head. Oh, okay, electricity's in there. What do you know? Previous to that, we had zero idea that there was any kind of electrical, let alone bioelectrical. And that's a whole different story about how Von Hemholtz and those guys, when they found out about the electricity, they calculated it and they said it's not the same speed as light and so it can't be electricity. And then, oh no, it's bioelectricity. It's different. That's why EMPs don't shut down brains. Biological electricity is different than... So anyway, that's an area in which being biological makes a difference. An EMP doesn't shut down your brain. So that's a biological difference. That's not yeah. merely a functional... A, a computer, data would be shut down by an EMP, but you are not. No, he's got a positronic brain. It, uh, uh, well, then there's a... Well, okay, so there's... Uh, yeah. I got to shut you down there, buddy. Well, we can have a, 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 a PMP, a PMP, okay? Are you happy now? It's not an EMP, not electromagnetic. Positronic <laughs> magnetic uh, pulse. Um, so, but, but the point is that biology matters sometimes in ways that you don't predict or understand. Yeah. Just thinking about functional stuff. Right, so I'm a skeptic, and I'm not. <laughs> and, so and, what's the basis of the confidence that you need this biology, and it couldn't be something at a much broader structural level that we would share with all kinds of beings, maybe including uh, computers? Well, that was my point: is that since I don't really know, well, the computer's out, so fuck the computer. I've, we've already said that until a computer. Okay, let's let's bracket computers. Uh, until a computer yeah. comes and says, "My name is George. Respect me." Um, I'm not worried about them because they don't do anything that's even remotely similar or plausible-ish in the vicinity of that right now. And what I want now is gentleness and joy and love. From you, Data, you are fully functional, aren't you? Of course, but... How fully? In every way, of course. I am programmed in multiple techniques. A broad variety of pleasuring. Oh. You jewel, that's exactly what I hoped. So, uh, yeah. I All right, sorry, about... I shouldn't have said that. We were bi well, on biology, so right, so biology. keep going with the biology. So All right. now, now, my claim is that there's something about the brain, and I was making a point about, like, inventing new technology lets us new, learn new things about the brain, which previously would have been thought, like, incomprehensible. One of those is the discovery of bioelectricity, which is importantly different than regular electricity because it's biological. So my claim was mm -hmm. we don't know. All right, so let's say so let's say that we find can we can we do a hypothetical with yeah. with aliens? 
We're well, allowed no, to do hypotheticals of the aliens. You're going to beg the question by setting not it a up. square circle. But, but, can I, but can I just finish what I was saying here for a second? Because okay, go ahead, so, yeah. so we don't know which biological property is going to be the one which I'm going to rest my right. money on. Right, right, right. Then, so it could be bio. I've already mentioned like four different candidates. Yeah. From genetic to molecular to um, ionic slash biochemistry, excuse me, bioelectric to biochemistry. So different right. options. Now, which one of those is important? I don't know. It may be some new one we don't know about yet. Right. So now you're going to tell me about your alien, which has one or the other of these, and I'm supposed to think about what I'd say about it. Exactly. Then, you but, figured but, it out. But, <laughs> right. So the, here comes the Martian. He's got some properties in common with us. Other properties he doesn't have in common with us. Outwardly, he behaves much like us. Why don't we take this as evidence that, oh, that property that he has in common with us is important. Right. Uh, that is what we would do. I say that you didn't let me finish. I was going to okay, say, yeah, yeah, okay. gonna say Well, you already were giving me my my rebuttal, so it's I thought not a rebuttal. It's a it's it's a rebuttal to you. So <laughs> if we if we meet aliens, if we meet aliens, and if the aliens have bioelectrical properties, but not biochemical properties, okay? So if that uh -huh. happens, yeah. um, and if it's in virtue of the bioelectrical stuff that they have the same behavior, outward functional, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. in other words, if it's the bio, then that would be strong evidence that in us it's bioelectrical, not biochemical. Yeah, now, okay. so that's what I'm, so that's the only way that we would know. We would have to meet them and dissect them. First, they'd have to pass the Turing test and dissect them. Um, okay. So only then would I be able to answer these hypotheticals. Until then, they're merely hypotheticals. And they don't sway me because hypotheticals are merely hypotheticals until there's data. Data is data. And by the way, I mean commander data and also data. Um, until there's data, there's, there's nothing interesting. There's just hypotheticals. And your intuitions go one way and your hypotheticals track that. And my intuitions go the other way and my hypotheticals track that. And that seems like totally uninteresting. So the hypotheticals don't seem interesting by, by proxy. I think there's a metaphysical impasse. Well, there always is, but you know, the point yeah. is, uh, I mean, that, that's the point of crazyism is something crazy has to be true. My right. view is less crazy because it fits with all the evidence we have and doesn't make wild speculations about evidence that we might possibly get. So why isn't that the better view? Wait, wait, wait. You're, you, you were making, uh, I think you're committed to a negative ex existential, which is a pretty strong claim. No, you yeah. are. <laughs> no, You're you committed are. to the negative existential. That there are. So I wonder what your evidence is. It doesn't exist that such a negative existential that he's committed to. There's a negative existential that you're committed to, which is that there are, uh, there is no distinctly biological property which is essential for consciousness. That's your negative existential. But you're saying that it's not possible, or it's not actual that you could have behaviorally sophisticated beings built on very different biological plants. I'm saying it's probable that it's not actually. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty strong yeah. negative claim for which, as far as I could tell, you have zero evidence. Well, I have all the evidence in the world. It's called 30, 70 years of trying to build a, a computer. Um, well, your that, evidence that, that, is all... I'm not talking about computers. I'm talking about other biological systems. Your evidence all, is all here on Earth. Yes, exactly. And Earth everywhere else we've looked, it, that's it. For reaching a claim about what's happening throughout the universe. No, 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 it's all the evidence we have. I mean, look, all you can do is take all the evidence you have and reason on the basis of that. All the evidence we have tells us it's something chemical or biological that matters. That's every bit of evidence we have points in that direction. Every bit of it. 
including the fact that we can't make artificial life. We can't do it. Yeah, we can't. We can't. Well, you need to reread the evidence. We can't even make. We can't even make the basis, the bio, biological basing, building blocks for life. We can't even do that. Peptides, those kinds of things. We can't start with just regular chemicals and get a biochemical. We can't do Yeah, that. you can. No, you cannot. Yeah, you, like, you need some methane and some sparks, and you get amino acids. Uh, and they don't assemble or do anything. No, this is old. This is, no, 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 no. That is not the case. Well, I mean... I saw I mean, it on TV, man. The going hypothesis... <laughs> I mean, as far as I can tell, the going hypothesis at this point is that life on Earth originated via panspermia. That, well, where did that come from? Um, from some other planet where biology was. That's where. Like, no. how is biology really? not? You think that's the that's the best supported view? That's that, the view that, that is best supported. That Absolutely. life always existed. That it just it never came to be from a non-living substrate. Um, that's the best explanation. I didn't say that. I said the best explanation for life on Earth is that it came from some other planet where there was biology. Yeah, but where did that come from? From some other planet was there was biology. But does it is it always going to be some other planet? No, it goes back to the Big Bang. Which was non-biological? I assume inflation is non-biological, yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> biology is special. I mean, look, you guys, you guys don't think biology is special. That's great. You think computation is special. So we're all going to hug our special thing. I, that's wonderful. Um, I don't know why your guys' special thing is more special than my special thing. I don't get it. Why, why am I the chauvinist? Like, because you, I'm neglecting possibilities? Oh, right. But I thought we said never mind possibilities. Yeah. So I like my special thing. It makes me feel good. I understand that I don't know that it's true. I merely think that I don't have a, any good reason to abandon it. And it seems like... All of my internalness is pointing at it in the most possibly severe way. Yeah. And since I'm like the most reluctant to give that up, I say, what makes me give it up? Oh, that there might be a space squid on Antares. Okay, yeah. well, I'll hold my breath. Until then, it's brains, baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think we've hit our impasse. <laughs> I'm more convinced because we've been here for like seven hours. That the USA might be conscious. Uh, you if know, is, we. Well, this is fun. I like this stuff. I mean, yeah, no, it's you know, always fun chatting with you guys, man. But I don't apologize for biologism, man. Oh. I know you don't. <laughs> well, you know what? To, apologize. Well, you know, to be honest, as a, on a bit of a personal note, uh, yeah. you know, I grew up in a culture that was like strongly computational, in which yeah. everybody felt like they could just piss on people like me. And, um, you know, I've always secretly harbored suspicions that the identity theory was probably true. And, you know, people always said, "No, oh, that's naive," and it was refuted like as soon as it was formulated. And I always thought, "Well, that doesn't seem right to me." And, uh, and no one, and there was this sort of attitude of like. And I remember, in fact, when I was writing my dissertation, I, I won't mention the person who I approached, but I approached a certain person and I said, I want to work on the identity theory. And the person replied to me, um, yeah, I think people used to be interested in that. Uh, oh, <laughs> and I said, oh, that's interesting because I, you know, I just don't feel, I feel like there's this kind of neglect of a possibility here. And I understand computation is new. And I also understand that when a new kid on the block shows up, they have to overreact by like beating up the old guy on the block. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think, what a lot of this, like, gung-ho computational shit is. But I think, like, 65 to 70 years from now, we're going to look back on this, like, behaviorism. I mean, gee, what were we thinking? Like, computation? What? Yes, it's important, but biology, hello. Um, 
and maybe that's wrong, but that just seems to me like this enthusiasm is like, hello, look at behaviorism. People are going, yeah, look what we can do with behavior. Oh, but the consciousness, yeah, uh, right. And that's exactly where we are with computation right now. So, but I want to say, look, so I'm not, for my view, the, one of the interesting things about Turing and computation isn't like computation and computers per se, or what I want to do with it for the um, point about alternative biologies is just that it suggests that certain conditionals are true, right? You could have a system such that if it gets some kind of poke, then it does some kind of thing. And you can have really complicated versions of those systems, right? Do it with like a giant Turing table, right? Really complicated versions of those systems that are instantiated in very different ways, right? So that's one way to use this kind of the, div the diverse possible bases of computation in Turing and computational theory without committing to anything about syntax versus symbols and all that kind of stuff, right? And just say, look, this suggests that you can have really complicated conditionals that are grounded in very different kinds of material bases. Yeah. And that's, that's my positive reason for thinking that probably if the universe is large enough, and I think it is probably large enough, right, that there would be very differently structured beings who are highly behaviorally sophisticated. Yeah. And and so it's not committed to anything deep yeah. about, about computational theory. I would it's just piggyback on that real quick that yeah. I would say that the commitment to, count, to counterfactuals, conditionals, yeah. commit to, to claims about modality, <laughs> oh, for, and, and, and that's where I'll put my foot in and say yeah. the conditionals you're describing might describe impossible things relative to our world. And that just may be the way that it is. Uh, there certainly is a conditional about if this thing is XYZ, what will it do? But it's not relevant to like stuff around here. So that's all I would say in, in by way of like finally summing up where I think we disagree is uh -huh. that I'm, I'm on board with the conditionals. I just think yeah. they translate into talk about modality and that when we start talking about what's possible and what's impossible, those things might get sorted into the impossible relative to what's around here. But that's so. That's my final two cents. Pete, do you have a final two cents? <laughs> um, I'm thinking behaviorism is not so bad. I don't know. Oh shit! What you guys got about that? Oh, I, I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> yeah. You're so easy to condition. <laughs> and I think biology. Biology is probably like Pluto. Like oh gonna, man, it's a planetoid mass. We're gonna legislate what 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 counts as life or not. And the metaphysical impasse between the people that think their brains, that they, people that think they're identical to their brains, and the people that think that they're identical to their functional structure, that metaphysical impasse is going to be settled in a non-rational way. That there's going to be an extinction event. Like, <laughs> the singularity is going to happen. <laughs> Arts identity theorists are going to be. Poor Richard's going to stick stick down here with his dying brain. Well, Richard, you know, he, he admits that he might, if he's confronted, if he is confronted with the data, that he might change his mind about that. So maybe Richard yeah. is not going to uh, resist mind uploading. But there are people that are more gung-ho about brains than Richard is. And they're yeah. not going to allow themselves to be uploaded, and they're going to go extinct. Exactly. I know. I yeah, that's a good point, P. Because if it really does become actual, then I'm I'll admit I'm wrong. I think this is a case about what we're going to build, um, about how the world really turns out, um, not some hypothetical stuff that's irrelevant. So if we really build something like this, then that's a different story, yeah. and I'll change my tune. 
And this is, a, and you know, I, I'm open to all kinds of stuff. You know, I like uh, if it's not contradictory, I think it's something worth taking taking a look at. So I think that this, by the way, is not contradictory. Um, but so is that other stuff. So if I'm confronted with it, I'll, I'll yield. But that's just like the same thing about you know the uh, speed of light being a constant. I'm confronted with the data that says otherwise. I'll think about it until then. I think the math shows us that's the way it is, and we have good reason to trust the math. And also the imp empirical stuff verifies it. So. To me, it's you want an alignment between the two, and uh, you're right. If they if the if they come to me and say, you know, here we are, Richard, repent. I'll say, I'll sign. I'll sign. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, so sorry. I, wanna, I think I'm finally understanding your view. I mean, I think I had glimpses of it here and there, right? But let me just make sure that I do understand, right? So, you are committed to, as an empirical claim, the empirical evidence that we have is that the only way to build a system that is really highly behaviorally complex in the way that human beings are is via something like the brain. We don't know exactly what it is about the brain. Yeah. And that's an empirical claim. Uh, yes. and, and it's supported so, by some a priori stuff as well, but it's also, uh -huh. I, I like both, I, I'll appeal to both depending on who I'm talking to. So if you right. like empirical stuff, I'll emphasize that, but I think some a priori right. stuff works too. Like that may be the Turing, I mean the uh, Chinese room stuff, or right. I mean, whereas, excuse me, Sanskrit room stuff. Right. So whereas I'm inclined to think, see no reason to think that you couldn't have really highly sophisticated patterns of responsiveness that are constructed very out of very different arrangement of basic materials. Yeah. And that is a pretty hard thing to like figure out what the evidence is that would be to decide between those two things. I agree. If you look. At Earth, that you it seems to favor your view. If you think more hypothetically, it yeah. seems to favor my view. But then the question is, how good are our grounds for evaluating those hypotheticals? There you go. Right. That is that the core of it, really. Yep, that's exactly the core of it. Yeah. And in particular, the good the grounds for evaluating the hypotheticals um, are really grounds for evaluating certain counterfactual possibilities. Um, and you know, so I think that. It's an open question. Now, I wouldn't say that it's pro it's true. What I said is that this is a this is consistent with all the evidence, um, and you know, so lots of things are consistent with the evidence that are false. <laughs> mm. Like, you know, until you get more evidence, in which which you know, it, it, so I say the here's a defeasible claim of mine. It's defeasible in the sense that it can be defeated, but it has not been defeated. And I would say that very loudly and very strongly that nothing around here right now defeats it or even comes close to defeating it. Um, and you can ban you can say yes. Well, my intuitions, and I have intuitions too. But intuitions, if they arm wrestle, you know, it, that's doesn't solve anything. So I'm waiting for evidence. And so far, the evidence is failure after failure after failure after failure. And you know, that's that's where what the evidence is. <laughs> so right now, there's a bunch of optimism, and that's all. And you know. I'm optimistic too. Um, I like computers and I like math, and so that's great. But I just don't see it working out, and I'm willing to say that I don't see it working out. And the people who see it working out, you know, this is something I think 50 years from now we'll be having a beer over and and chatting and saying, look who was wrong, and it could be me. And I'm open to that. We'll be having a virtual beer. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I have to go give a lecture about Hume. <laughs> yeah. We need cool. to up. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun chatting with you guys. This is really terrific, and uh, you should probably do it again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do a follow-up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
Thank you for listening to Space Time Mind. For more info about today's episode, as well as info about our video series and other supplements, check out our website at spacetimemind.com. We'd love to hear from you, so please send us your comments on Twitter at spacetimemind99 or on our blog at spacetimemind.com. And please rate us on iTunes to help spread the word. Until next time, this is Pete Mandick saying, I am programmed in multiple techniques. Doesn't it seem intuitively wrong? If there's anything that's intuitively wrong, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong.